Welcome to the Awesome IA Podcast, brought to you by the Illinois Education Association. The podcast for curious, well-informed association members. I'm one of your hosts, Kelsey Harms, a computer specialist from the IA Program Development Department. And I'm Diana Zaleski, one of your instructional resource and professional development directors from IEA Teaching and Learning. The goal of this podcast is to educate our members about important new educational policy initiatives in a brief and hopefully entertaining format. Today, we're going to discuss updates concerning our state education accountability system. Then, we will air a special interview with Larry Frank, IEA Director of Educational Policy and Research, regarding the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee. To start us off, Diana, can you remind me how the state measures school performance and how this impacts schools? Definitely. So the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, required each state to develop their own state plan that includes a new or updated accountability system. This year has been the first full year of implementation. The accountability system is a set of policies and practices that the state, specifically the Illinois State Board of Education, uses to measure and hold schools and districts accountable for the achievement of all students. The accountability system has two parts. First, a process for measuring and communicating expectations for school performance. Second, the actions low-performing schools must take to increase achievement and the distribution of state resources to support those actions. Dana, can you tell us more about how school performance will be measured? Yes, I certainly can. So school performance is measured using traditional academic indicators, including math, English language arts, and science proficiency, as well as English learner proficiency and high school graduation rate. These indicators are weighted to account for a majority or 75% of a school's accountability rating. And can you tell us more about the school quality indicators? Yes, the school quality indicators are a new component of our state accountability system. So these are pretty interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about those today as well. So the school quality indicators will also be collected, but these indicators only account for 25% of a school's accountability rating. These indicators include chronic absenteeism and a school climate survey for both elementary and high school. In addition, high school has a ninth grade on-track indicator. As you may remember from a previous podcast where we talked about ESSA, the state did propose additional school quality indicators, and I have, again, an update for you on those indicators today. So based on the outcome of the accountability system, schools would be placed in one of four tiers. So exemplary schools, commendable schools, underperforming schools, and lowest performing schools. These tiers are referred to as a school's summative designation, and the summative designation for each school can be found on the Illinois State Board of Education website, and we will post a link to that website on the podcast page. Dana, can you remind me again how these readings will affect schools? So both underperforming and lowest performing schools will be required to complete a needs assessment and develop local school improvement plans in collaboration with teachers and paraprofessionals to receive support from the state. The local school board then approves plans for underperforming schools and the local school board and state approve plans for the lowest performing schools. The most important thing for our members to know is that representation from their local association, ideally teachers and education support professionals, must be involved in these important conversations about school improvement. Thanks so much for that recap. 
what updates do you have for our members today? So again, I'd like to talk about these additional school quality indicators. So again, as you may remember, the state proposed a college and career readiness indicator, an elementary and middle grades indicator, in other words, grades three through eight indicator, and a P2 indicator. So the college and career readiness indicator is proposed as a multi-measure indicator that takes into account things like GPA, SAT scores, courses completed such as Algebra 2, school attendance, employment, and community service. At this time, the state has not indicated how it plans to implement this proposed measure or what the actual measures within the indicator are going to be. However, this indicator is slated to take effect during the 2021 school year. In addition, the work groups assigned to determine the elementary and middle grades indicator and a P2 indicator could not determine a unique measure that met the requirements of ESSA. Therefore, these work groups proposed that additional weight be given to the chronic absenteeism indicator. At this time, the state has not indicated how it plans to handle these proposed indicators either, but they are still slated to take effect during the 2021 school year. So I know there was also a recommendation to have a fine arts indicator. Has there been any movement on that? That's a great question because that's a work group that's been working very hard over the course of the school year. So the Fine Arts Indicator Work Group proposed another multi-part measure that includes uh, the number of students enrolled in fine arts courses, the number of teachers who hold appropriate licenses to teach fine arts courses, and a student survey. They also proposed that schools who are currently underfunded would not be held accountable for this indicator until the 2022 school year. The state is currently collecting public comment on this proposal. However, the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measures Committee did not recommend that ISBE adopt this proposal. So at this time, this proposed indicator is still slated to take effect during the 2021 school year, but the state has indicated that it might not be a weighted indicator. So in other words, this would not affect a school summative designation. If our members would like to share public comments about their opinions concerning the fine arts indicator, we will include a link to how to do that on the podcast page as well. So Diana, it sounds like chronic absenteeism is currently one of the primary school quality indicators, especially if the state decides not to implement the proposed indicators we just discussed. Can you share more with us about chronic? Yes, that is correct. So chronic absenteeism is currently weighted as 20% of the overall state accountability plan for elementary schools and 7.5% for high schools. But of course, as you stated, this could change depending on what indicators come into play over the course of the next few years. So chronic absenteeism is defined by the state as the percentage of students in a school having 10% or more of excused and unexcused absences in the prior academic year. Chronic absenteeism is an early warning sign of academic risk and school dropout. So while the Causes of chronic absenteeism are multifaceted, chronic and acute health conditions play a big role. Research indicates that chronic conditions that result in missed school include asthma, diabetes, seizure disorders, and mental health disorders. And acute conditions include oral health issues, influenza, and vision problems. So these students are more likely to miss school because of the symptoms of their illness or because they are receiving medical treatment during the school day. This results in significant negative academic outcomes for students. For example, research shows that children who are chronically absent in both kindergarten and first grade are much less likely to be reading at grade level by the third grade. And students who are not reading at grade level by the third grade in 
turn are four times more likely to drop out of high school. So this is why this indicator is so important. So chronic absenteeism sounds like a big problem. What can we do about this problem? It is a big problem, but a lot of the work that we've been doing around adverse childhood experiences is directly related to the work that we can do around chronic absenteeism. So partnering with community health care providers to create integrated school health services is a great first step for schools struggling with chronic absenteeism to take. And there is support in the Every Student Succeeds Act to create these integrated school health services. In addition, integrated school health services ensure that appropriate physical and mental health services are easily accessible to children and their families. And having a full-time school nurse can also lead to improved symptom management and fewer school absences. So this indicator also aligns well with IEA's Partnership for Resilience, which some of our members might be familiar with, which brings educators, doctors, and social services together to address childhood trauma. So we're going to have a link for the Partnership for Resilience website on the podcast page as well as additional resources concerning what we can do as members about chronic absenteeism and integrated school health services. Dana, do you have any additional updates for our members? Not today, but we will definitely have more updates soon. So I do want our members to remember to make their voices heard when it comes to school improvement efforts in their communities. So if your school falls in either the underperforming or lowest performing categories, teachers and education support professionals representing your local association must be involved in the development of your school improvement plans. Please contact your local Uniserve director if you have questions or requests require additional support in that area. Great. Thank you so much, Dana. Up next, you're going to hear our special interview with Larry Frank about the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measures Committee that we referenced earlier in the podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the role of the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee, or IBAM, in the development of our state accountability system with our special guest, Larry Frank, IEA Director of Educational Policy. Larry, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Always happy to be here. Larry, first, can you explain why the IBAM committee was created and what organizations are represented on the committee? Oh, what a great question. So if you back up to about 2013, the Management Alliance, the group made up of the Illinois Association of School Administrators, the Illinois Principals Association, the Illinois Association of School Business Officials, and the Illinois Association of School Boards, came out with a vision, a paper, proposal for legislation that was called a framework for accountability, which really eventually leads to IBAM. So the notion behind the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measures was that we wanted to look at schools, or or this group proposed looking at schools, and reducing the amount of assessment evaluation used for schools and teachers that was related to student testing. So their idea was they would look at areas of school culture and climate, leadership, shared leadership, governance, education and employee quality, and family and community connections, family and community involvement. And what they proposed was using 30% of the evaluation to look at student performance metrics, teaching, testing metrics, and 70% to look at these other areas inside the school to say, well, how, how is the school, for example, communicating with parents? Do they involve parents? Do parents feel good about coming in? Are teachers provided professional development? 
right, is leadership shared. So does the classroom teacher have a voice in the curriculum that's developed inside that school, inside the district? Does the classroom teacher have a voice in aligning the curriculum across the district? So the whole notion behind bringing forward this Illinois balanced accountability measure actually did come out uh, originally from the school management folks. They came to us then as the teacher unions, uh, IEA and, and the Illinois Federation of Teachers, and asked if we'd join them in an effort to put this in place. So that's really the genesis of the idea. And then I think they ran it as a bill or tried to run it as a bill in 13. It didn't go well. 14, it went better. And it it finally effectively became law in June of 2015. So how is IBAM's work influenced by No Child Left Behind? Was it a response to No Child Left Behind? Was it a response to what they perceived as perhaps failures in our old accountability system? Very much so. A lot of the rationale for constructing the the measure the way it was constructed, 30% based on test scores, 70% based on the other aspects of the school, was in the exact opposite of No Child Left Behind. Right, which basically looked at testing students, you know, achievement testing, and then sorted and really punished schools based on how they did with the student testing. So one of the conversations that we had as, as we worked this through and eventually put it into law was, you know, there are some districts that are situated such that they're pretty much always going to be in the bottom 5% or 10%, or there's always a subgroup that's going to be in that bottom percent because the, the families that live there and the students that come out of those families and bring to school so many challenges, just without all kinds of additional help, are not going to be able to break out of that bottom 5 or 10% in terms of performance. They're so far behind when they start school that the notion of catching them up, given our sort of current practice, is, is just impractical. It just isn't going to happen. So this this was very much an effort that was aimed at putting in place a state accountability system that would become effective just about the time No Child Left Behind or the Elementary Secondary Education Act ran out. And of course, we didn't know at that time if the federal government would re-up the act, refund it, you know, if there would be any follow-on to No Child Left Behind. And, and so ironically, just as this law goes into effect and it says, okay, for Illinois school, we're going to have this this as our assessment metric, and it will be based on 30% achievement scores, 70% other measures of, of school success. The federal government reauthorizes ESSA, and it, as, as we know now, comes up with a set of rules that turn out to be quite different from what was in this statute. So it is still true, ironically, that the, the federal ESSA requirements and Illinois' federal ESSA plan are in direct conflict with the statute that we have for our state assessment plan. So that's one that currently we just sort of conveniently overlook, right? I mean, there's, as with many laws in the school code, okay, so this is a law. It's it's under uh, school standards, I think, in section two uh, of the code. And I mean, it's it's in a sense unenforceable, right? It, the, the, I suppose the State Board of Education could say, okay, any district who is using the ESSA accountability system and not using IBAM as it's written into the code is in violation of the code. And so therefore, we're not going to recognize them as a school district. Well, that would be pretty silly. 
So there are currently two laws in the books that disagree, but that's sort of been the, the next iteration of IBAM is once ESSA came out and was put in place, then the committee went back to work to think about how do we fit IBAM inside the ESSA framework. So just to briefly clarify for our members, ESSA is the reauthorization, of meaning the Every Student Succeeds Act. Correct, which has been in place for years. I mean, it's, there have been several iterations. The sort of no child left behind, you know, was was kind of an ugly one under, I think, Bush too, that came out and, and really said, we're going to, in theory, the treatment wasn't bad. The notion was, let's identify the schools that need the most help and get resources to them to help them. Now, in fact, how those resources were assigned to schools, the amount of resources that the schools got and some of the hoops they had to jump through to even deploy the resources pretty much caused that, at least in the view of school leaders and our teachers, to be an unsuccessful attempt to help schools and kids. So Larry, you've talked about kind of how IBAM was created and how it's kind of in conflict with the Every Student Succeeds Act. Is IBAM's purpose kind of evolving over time or what's what's kind of the, the work of IBAM going forward? So once ESSA passes, IBAM had been meeting. The they were working. The committee was working on developing a rubric which would employ the the various sort of domains that I talked about. And the rubric was designed then to have a series of measurements. So so if you looked at, for instance, shared governance, right? There was a section on sort of what happens at the district level, what's happening at the school level. The aim of the rubric in that section was to say, okay, is a community involved as they should be in governance? Our decisions that are made by the central office inclusive? Do teachers have a voice there? Do principals have a voice? You know, does the board and and the superintendent governing function include those voices? Or are they just ignored? And looked at things like, does a district write down policy, right? Because I've learned over time that we can go into a district and say, what's your policy? And they say, well, it's this. Can you show me that? Well, we never wrote it down. Well, okay, fine. So, you know, there's a difference between paying attention to detail and putting policies in place and just saying, well, this is our policy. So the committee's job then became, once ESSA was put in place, to sort of back up and say, can we essentially rework the rubric? Can you take the basic concepts that drove the balanced accountability measure and adjust them so that they can be used inside the ESSA framework to assess schools? Now, the answer is, of course, right? Big fight, if you want to call it that became over how much of the ESSA measure was going to be driven and ultimately the uh, sort of scoring and identification of schools that needed help, how much of that was going to be based on student achievement and how much was going to be based on these other measures, right? Because at its heart, IBAM was designed to look at things inside the school as being more important than standardized testing of students. The whole IBAM thinking sort of revolved around that. You know, if, if we can get the process in place, then student achievement will follow, which is a fairly logical assumption. I think one that is supported at least to some extent by the research. That's a fight in many ways that IBAM lost. We had a governor at the time who decided that the ESSA measure should probably be 95% student testing metrics and 5% other stuff. The state superintendent, Tony Smith, claimed victory in coming back with 25% of the measure, school scores, district scores, being the balanced accountability factors and 75% being student testing. So yes, the, the job of the committee changed very much. Now, the sort of central job of figuring out how do you develop a rubric and a framework to assess schools using these ideas didn't change. Probably the latest 
part to be added is the idea of equity, because the committee had pretty much finished its work, had a framework in place, had a rubric to assess the framework, has a, and this is all on the state board's website if you want to go look, there is sort of an instruction manual that starts to talk about what sort of data would you collect for each of these pieces of the framework. And then the rubric talks about how to judge that data and determine the rating that the district gets for that particular metric. The work was pretty much done. The group had sort of come together and said, yes, we're finished. And we had a district superintendent who came to the group and said, well, wait a minute, what about student equity? You know, we think in, in our community, there are lots of Latino students and we worry that they don't get the same opportunities that a kid does in a school that's majority white, quite honestly. And we're working at that, but it's an important thing to remember. And everyone said, well, of course, okay, if that's not included enough. So we've, the committee has just, I say we, I, I staff the committee for us. I'm not a member. Mary Jane Morris and Carl Gecki. Carl teaches up in Unit 5. Mary Jane's one of our managers here at the IEA. So under the Every Student Succeeds Act, there were some discussions about requiring districts who would like to access the IL Empower resources through the state, that they would need to use the IBAM rubric to access those resources. Is that still the plan? Yes. So the access, the rating of schools at this point is pretty much driven by student test scores. So if if your school is in the bottom 5% of all the schools in the state with all the subgroups in, or if you have an identifiable subgroup of students who are in the bottom 5%, then your school is, is eligible for help through Illinois Empower. Part of that is also completing the IBAM assessment, and that is looked at, and I think will become an increasingly important part. You may know, for example, that Secretary DeVos released a memo in November or December, I think it was, saying that states had a window until about mid-March to file amended ESSA plans with the federal government. So there is a move afoot, and IBAM has made the recommendation to the state board, and I, I think the state board will vote on this at their February meeting, that we should go back and ask that 51% of the Illinois ESSA measure be based on student testing and 49% be based on the other factors, which, which would be the IBAM framework. The federal law says a significant part has to be based on student performance, and we're testing whether 51% is a significant part. So that, that recommendation is into the state board. We'll see what they do at their February meeting. So it sounds like IBAM is still a key player in the development of our state accountability system. So why is it important for IEA to have staff and members on this committee and other committees like it through the state? I think at this point, I mean, the basic work is done in terms of the IBAM framework. Now, one of the open questions is, if we're successful in moving 49% of the total metric into school factors, there's a relatively small number of non-student test metrics that are included in the ESSA framework right now. A lot of people are concerned that chronic absenteeism, for example, it counts for too much of the non-test metric. So I know the Illinois Arts Alliance currently is is in front of the state board, in fact, has a proposal in, and, and it's now out for a 30-day comment period, proposing an arts indicator. 
So they, they'd like to look at school districts and say, well, how many of the kids are taking an arts course as a quality measure? How many of the arts courses are taught by someone who's endorsed on their professional educator license to teach the arts? And then eventually they'd like to include the student voice, although the student voice thing is not yet defined. And they're saying maybe five years down the road. Hey, another thing about the IBM committee sort of an ongoing, one of the, and I'll use the word interesting to describe it, things we have going in Illinois right now is several almost competing accountability measures, right? We have the ESSA accountability measure. The balanced accountability measure is sort of a subset of that, but feeds into ESSA, but is in fact separate, right? And and includes the five essentials survey to get an idea of teacher's voice and put student voice and put parent voice into what's happening inside that school. You've got the Illinois report card, which according to federal law has to report certain ESSA measures, but includes a lot of other state measures. I mean, Illinois has, over the last 10 years since we've had that report card, continued to get awards at the national level for how the report card works. Uh, There's an interactive piece that Northern Illinois University continues to uh, manage, and it really is a terrific piece of machinery, if you will, in terms of data and digging down and looking even at the school level, you know, what's happening in your child's school or as a teacher, what's happening in your school. Then we also have, we're in the the third year of the evidence-based funding model, and part of the statute that enabled that sets up this thing called the professional review panel that's supposed to recommend to the state board an accountability system that looks at how districts are spending their money. Additionally, every year there are conversations in the General Assembly about how do we hold schools accountable? What other measures do we have to put in place? So it's an interesting time, right? all over the United States, but certainly here in Illinois, because we have all these multiple sort of accountability measures that are stacked on schools. And then we get into what's the accountability for the teachers? You know, how does PARA work? Uh, Senate Bill 7 that was put in place, you know, for for teacher evaluation inside the school. So yeah, I think IBAM will continue. I I think that work is going to be ongoing until we finally sort out a single accountability sort of system that takes care of all the needs in the schools. And, And I think that's such a broad ranging, diverse sort of issue that I doubt that I'll see that one resolved in my professional lifetime. It sounds like it's really important that IEA has staff and members on all of these committees, in particular, the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee, to make sure that our members are informed and that their ideas and feedback is relayed to these committees through IEA. I think that's very true, Diane. I think one of the fascinating things that we've seen over the last four or five years in a couple of areas of education work is the various stakeholders coming together, sort of checking the organizational baggage at the door and having honest conversations about what's good for kids and what's good for teachers. And I think the Balanced Accountability Measures Committee has been an example of that. It's it's just been fun to watch. It's interesting to listen to the members talk about the fact that this is a place they can come and have honest conversations about what would work. It's just interesting to watch school management, the teacher unions, you know, and some of the, the reform groups come to the table and work together and sort of leave the political agenda outside and come together as a group often to argue with the state board or the general assembly about putting in place, uh, in this case, uh, measurements that are going to be good for our teachers. So yeah, we need to keep members on this to stay engaged and to be sure that that teacher voice is at the table. How can our members provide feedback on any of the proposed rules and amendments related to the state accountability plan? The state board does a good job of 
tracking the IBAM meetings and putting up minutes in a timely manner. So if you just go to the state board's website, isbe.net, search for Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure, you'll find the homepage. You can always read through the minutes and know what the committee is working on. And often if there are changes being made, drafts of things, those will be posted and people can see them. I would say as a member, if you go to that source and you have questions about what's going on, you should certainly feel free to contact Mary Jane, Mary Jane Morris at IEA nea.org or you can drop me an email if you'd like larry frank at ieanea.org and we'll try to answer your question if you have suggestions we'll try to get those into the room so larry we will make sure and include some links to some relevant resources for how our members can provide that comment questions or feedback and we'll include your email address and mary jane's as well in the show notes section of the podcast page do you have anything else that you think would be important to tell our members about ibam or anything else going on with state accountability at this time i just reinforce the notion that if folks have questions or if they have ideas, please let us know about them. That sounds great. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast again. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please check out the contact section on the podcast page on the IA website. Thanks to Mark for the audio help, Amanda for the transcription, and Dan for the website. As always, thanks so much for being a member and thanks for joining us.